Amen. Children's Church, dismiss. I'm sorry, I am biased. <laughs> that's my girl. <laughs> uh, that's great, Faith. It's beautiful. Take your Bibles. Let's go to Colossians. We're actually going to find out in our study today that our Father's love is a bit biased too. In the sense that we're going to see today that as children of God, we are His beloved. Therefore, you and I that are here today that are followers of Christ, that, we're, that are Christian, that are born again, you've been adopted into the family of God. God's wrath is no longer abiding on you. Instead, His favored love is upon you. So I think uh, us fathers in the room can kind of relate in this text today and understand the heart of God as our Heavenly Father. If He is your Heavenly Father today, and if He's not then our prayer is that you'll respond to the grace of God that's being offered this morning. Because God makes a promise. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And so if the Spirit of God, the effectual call of God is upon your heart this morning and you sense the tug of the Holy Spirit to come to Him, don't grieve the Spirit, don't quench the Spirit. Respond to the love that draws you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. With that said, let's look in Colossians. We're in the book of Colossians. If you're visiting with us today, we've been studying through. This is how we do things. We go through a book at a time. Uh, because these are letters written to us, um, and, and their, their pen, the, the, the person holding the pen is simply the instrument. The Holy Spirit is the author, and He moved upon men, uh, mighty men of the past, to, to write the words, the very words of God. And we have those very words. And it's found in these 66 books, written by 40 different pen holders, if you will over 1,600 years, and yet from the beginning to the end, there's a common thread of grace, which all points to one person, Jesus Christ. Whether you're in the Old Testament, the New Testament, it all points to the person of Jesus Christ because there's no other name under heaven given amongst men by which you can be saved. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so my prayer is this morning, if you've not walked across that bridge of grace, you will do so today. We're in Colossians, as was mentioned, and uh, we've been unpacking this letter. And some of the things we've been realizing is in this uh, small area uh, off the beaten path, if you will, of Colossae, 
uh, back in this time period in which this was written. Uh, there was a lot of things going on. Paul had been in Ephesus. There was a big revival that kind of broke out. A lot of people were coming to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And man, it was messing up the town. You recall when you read through Acts and, and you look in Ephesus, you'll see the, the repentance that was happening. I mean, people that were all into idolatry, people that were uh, selling things uh, that for the idolatrous worship, the businesses were crushing because nobody was buying their idols anymore because everybody got in their heart right with God. And so the merchants were so stinking mad at Paul for preaching that gospel. Man, you're messing up my business. Which is what happens when we get our hearts right and there's true revival whether it be in a city like LaGrange, whether it be in a nation, when people get their hearts right and there's genuine repentance and a turning away from sinful things, society changes. and changes for the better. And so that's what was happening in this area. There's a bit of a revival that had broken out. But there was also, in the midst of that, some problems. There's a lot of false teachers now trying to get in on the action. And so there were all these different teachings that were trying to get into the group of believers to kind of get them off the path, if you will. And so Paul's been dealing with some of these things like Judaism. He's been dealing with mysticism. And he's been dealing with uh, uh, the asceticism, you know, just the different types of philosophies that were trying to compete, the different religions that were not the truth. Paul's trying to make it clear. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. That's enough. It's not Jesus plus anything. It's Jesus. And if you have Christ, if you know Christ, then your heart is changed. You're transformed. And that's where we find ourselves here today in Colossians because he's been talking about, and we've, we've recently looked at this, that if you're a different person, if you've been born again, then you've put off the old garment, right? We talked about that. It's like taking off this jacket. Jeremy Varner used to be Quite the problem, child. We'll, we'll, we'll say it that way. Y'all, a lot of you know me. You know my sinful past. I was involved in things that most people in the world are in, but I went way deep into it. Way deep into it. When Paul says he's the chief of sinners, I don't know. I'm going to talk to him one day. I may have taken over since he left. And I don't wear that as a badge of honor, it's shame. When I think about the wicked things of my heart and my imagination and the, the, the circles and the things that I did, how could a loving God forgive this guy? And if you're here today and you, you can relate to that, man, when you, if, you, if we were to throw everything up on this screen of everything you've done in your life, everything you've thought, everything that's been in the, the evil imaginations of your heart and it was put up here, Oh, my. We, would, we would hide in shame. We would leave as fast as we could. Guys, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm right there with you. But that's who God reaches out to. That's what His grace is for. And so at age 25, after many years of rejecting that grace, thinking I knew better, I came to a point of brokenness in my life, in my sin, and I confessed that sin and cried out to God to forgive me. And that old garment was cast aside. And by the grace of God, I was enrobed in a new garment. 
And that's what Colossians Paul was talking about. He says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on that new garment because you have been enrobed in not your righteousness, the very righteousness of the Son of God. And so that's where we find ourselves in the book of Colossians. So consider this with me as we read. By the way, today's title... And uh, Junior, for some reason, this thing never wants to start. When we get to the starting gear, if you get me up and running there, brother, I'd appreciate it. There we go. Today's title was Wear Your Jersey. Now, you will like this title better. I figure it's appropriate for Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, it's better than the one I did have. My other title was, Does This Shirt Make Me Look Fat? <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd like this a little better. Uh, I definitely did. Somebody said, I knew somebody would say, no, that's just your face. <laughs> but anyway, uh, wear your jersey. Now think about it. A lot of you this evening, by the way, little shameless plug, 3.30 this afternoon, we're going to be playing some serious flag football out here on the field. And for those of you who aren't real serious about flag football, you can play too. All right, we're going to have enough, hopefully, teams and games. We're going to have a lot of fun. And for those of you who don't care about playing flag football, come sit with me and we'll make fun of those playing flag football. I'll be on the microphone commentating, and we'll have a lot of laughs at it. It's fun to watch, guys, and cheer them on. It's a good time. But we invite you to wear your jersey. Wear your favorite team's jersey tonight. College, uh, uh, NFL, whatever, man. Just sport some jerseys. It's, it's a fun night for the family of God and, and, and for hoping we're going to have a lot of visitors. So invite somebody today to come out. And, of course, this evening we'll eat. We'll eat good. Eat good in the neighborhood. And it ain't Chili's or Applebee's or whatever that slogan's from. CBC. But wear your jersey. And as we go through today's text, I want you to ask yourself, whose jersey are you wearing? And I'm not talking about the football. I'm talking about in life. Whose jersey are you wearing? Are you wearing the jersey of Christ? Do you, do you represent him? Because when we sport a jersey, usually it's because we're identifying with. Hey, I'm going to probably wear my, my Scam Newton jersey tonight. And, and, and I'm identifying with the Panthers, right? Some of you will sport your Cowboys gear because you're identifying with the Cowboys, right? <laughs> nobody will be wearing a Redskins jersey because nobody wants to identify with it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we will now since Ron's up there, right? But we, people see you and they identify you, right? Guys, this whole passage we're going to look at, we've been looking at and we'll continue to look at is this. When people see you, Christian, they ought to be able to identify you. So whose, jer whose jersey are you wearing? Look, if you would, in the text, we're in uh, Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 1. And Randy, you can tell Zach. I did that for him. By the way, we got some funny commercials. You think the commercials, like and when you watch TV at home and the Super Bowl are funny? No, 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 they ain't got nothing on us. We do our own commercials. I'm telling you, it's hilarious. So come out tonight, check out the game, but during the in-between, we play our own commercials, and you're going to love them. We got a lot lined up for you in that, too. You'll, you'll like those. Notice, if you would, in the text. If then, there's a big if, right? If then... You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, 
And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, no, there's a, there's a when too, you can just underline. When Christ, who is our life, appears. Guys, he's going to appear again. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, knowing this truth, knowing you've responded to the gospel, knowing you've been born again, Christian, therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. Remember he said, get rid of it. Stop it. Some of you recall the, the old um, Bob Newhart skit. It's hilarious. If you've never seen it, Google it. Uh, I, I was tempted to show it again. I showed it here one time in a message. The girl comes in. She's, she's got a phobia. She has a phobia. She's going to be buried alive in a box. And so it's a real funny sketch. But he basically keeps telling her, stop it. She says, but you don't understand. I was, when I was raised in my home and my parents, they were had a divorce. And she says, stop it. He says, but I've got other anxieties. I, I bite my nails. Stop it. His whole... This, professional his whole answer was stop it but but I, but I wash my hands frequently well that's okay I do that too but I don't like to drive at night stop it and look this is exactly what Paul is saying in essence here in this passage he says stop it get rid of it because as a child of the king you can before you're born again you cannot that's why when Jeremy, 25 and under, tried his best to clean up his act. I tried to go on the right path, but I couldn't. Oh, I'd do great for about three months, you know. And I was right back in the old pit again. I could clean up my act for a short period of time, but I was right back into sin, just like a pig knows how. It doesn't matter how many times you bathe the pig. Where's it going to end up? In the slop. Just like a dog returns to his vomit. Right? That's the sinner. So don't think you're going to take care of this problem of sin by just doing better. That's not what Paul's saying. But he's saying, if you have been born again, you actually, for the first time ever in your life, have been set free from the chains of sin. For the first time in your life, you can yield to the Spirit of God that dwells within you and you can actually be obedient in putting to death the things that you used to love. So he says, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. It's because you're wanting to consume it. You're, you're, the, you're the God that you worship. Isn't that society? Oh, we're, we're, we're all about ourselves. It's idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. That's another promise you can underline, guys. The wrath of God is coming. And it's coming upon the sons of disobedience. Now, lest we get a little high and mighty Christian, Paul sends us a little humble message right here and says, Look, in which you yourselves 
used to walk. You yourselves used to live in them, right? In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. That idea of walking, and boy, you saw that, Randall, I about walked into that microphone. Where's Randall at? Hiding up here somewhere. Anyway, I was, I was a little nervous about those new mics. Guys, we used to walk in this. Before you were born again, this was what you practice. This was just your life. This is who you are as an old man. I don't mean old like, hey, shiny, I can't play no flag football today. No, we're not talking that kind of old man. I'm talking the old man named Adam. We're going to see in this passage a good parallel. There's the first Adam who fell, and because of that fall, sin entered into the world. That's why you and I are born spiritually dead. That's why when we come out of the womb, we're headed to the tomb because in our heart is depravity. In our mind is depravity. We don't want nothing to do with God, the things of God. Oh, yeah, we'll get all religious for a little while, and that's pride because we look at me, man, I'm doing bad eye. No, that's, that's not. The natural man can't please God. He loves darkness rather than light. He's not going to come to the light because if he comes to the light, all that sin and shame is going to be revealed. Guys, that was us. That's you and me, Christian. We once were the children of wrath. We once were sons of disobedience. We once were, hold on, you were once of your father the devil. Well, Jesus called the Pharisees the religious, right? He said, you're, you're not the sons of Abraham. If you were the sons of Abraham, you'd do the things he did. You, you're, your father's the devil. He's a liar from the beginning. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. And you're trying to do the same thing. Wowzer. Do you ever think of yourself that way? This is what God says about you and me in our natural state. From, this is our natural state. I'll go even further. He says you're at enmity with God. You're an enemy. Boy, that's a big, that's a big, that's a big different uh, message than what you hear on TV, some of these guys. God loves you, and he just, he's just love. That's a pretty good impression, wasn't it? Seth knows what I'm talking about. Guys, that's only partial message. Yes, God loves you. Yes, God is love. But let's get the story straight. Before you can get some good news, you've got to have some bad news. You're God's enemy. And there's wrath waiting to fall on God's enemies. If you and I get what we deserve, we deserve hell. If you and I get what we deserve, we deserve eternal punishment. That's what you and I deserve. I don't care how much you feel in your heart. Well, I don't think that's right. I disagree with that preacher. I think I'm a pretty good person. Evidence number one right there. There's a way that seems right unto man, but the end's destruction. Satan has deceived you. He's blinded you. He wants you to listen to the self-help preachers on TV who make you think you're okay. You're not okay. You're born dead spiritually. And unless the Spirit of God quicken and awaken you to the truth of who He is and what's coming, you will also perish in the wrath to come. That's God's truth. But God does love you, yes. And He demonstrated that love at the cross of Calvary. And while you and I are still sinners, 
Christ loved us and gave his life for us. The question is, what are you going to do with that message? We once walked in disobedience. But now, you, yourselves, Christian, Christian, I'm talking to you now, I'm talking to you, you yourselves are to put off all these. Stop it. Get rid of anger. Get rid of wrath. Get rid of malice. Get rid of blasphemy. Get rid of that filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another. Really? Christians? Lying? Come on, man. Since you've put off the old man with his deeds and you've put on the new man. You've put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according oops, sorry, according to the image of him very important line here. You've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of Him who created Him. Well, look at that passage for a bit. These are the things we're to put off. But we're to put on the new man. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Let me stop there for a second. I told you this last week. What's being important here that Paul's communicating in that time period, you often could identify someone by how they dressed. Again, if it was the Pharisees, the religious, they wore all these garbs, and man, they stood out like a sore thumb on all their glory. And people would say, oh, man, they must be in favor with God. Look at how blessed they are. And if you were a slave, you were clearly marked, and that was understood as well, and you could see those. And, and then you also saw the others, the, the, the Greeks and, and, and the Jews. They all had their different swag about them. We'll use that term. They had their own look about them. It's just like you wearing your different team jerseys. You identify with your group. Paul is saying there's no place for that in the body of Christ. Here is church. You are one in Christ. Yes, we have little segments here at the church. We have a ladies' ministry. We have a men's ministry. We have a senior saints' ministry. We have college and career ministries. We have youth ministry. We have these differing ministries that take place here within this body. But let's be loud and clear. Those groups had never, ever better supersede the unity of community. Amen? In fact, I encourage all groups that are in, in those differing ones to... Go out of your way to connect to someone in the other group. This is one of the reasons why we intentionally, when we do our care groups in the summer, that we constantly come back for the combined meeting. And some of y'all blow that off. Oh, you go to yours, but you don't come to the combined. <sighs> Guys, the point is the unity has to be fanned. It has to be fed. 
It's not going to happen naturally. One of the things I appreciate Josh is doing with the men's group is he's trying to find out, you know, what are some different things that you're interested in? And so as everybody responds to that survey that will be coming out, you'll put down your likes, you'll put down the things. Yes, we do connect over commonality. That's awesome, and we should. And I think we'll find out through this that there's going to be some people that, I had no idea you were into that. Hey, man, I, I do this. i got the same hobby. And all of a sudden, now there's a relationship fostered and grown, and that strengthens the unity of community. Seniors, adopt a little kid. Adopt one of these little kids that comes in from the neighborhood. Adopt, what I mean by that is this. When you see them come in on Sunday mornings, take them and let them sit with you. When you go through the food line, show them, not the food line down here, because then mom and dad would be looking while you're taking their kid off. But what I'm saying is you're going through the line here with food, and you're, you, know, you show them, hey, this, here's the way we do this. We put a small portion on. We don't pile it up. You know, where it's like, man, I'm, I'm going to eat good now. And then half of it go in the trash later because they found out they didn't like green bean casserole. Right? These are ways that we as community, we fan that unity by doing these things, looking out for one another, praying for one another. I'm telling you, man, that's when, when this church catches fire with that type of love for one another, woo, we're going somewhere. So Paul wants to say, it's Christ in you. It's Christ is all and in all. So these differences, it's not, look guys, let me say this, it's not what you think makes you different, all right, in, in, in this, it's what our common bond is. And our common bond is the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And that shed blood of Jesus Christ makes you my brother and my sister. And my bond with you is tighter than my own flesh and blood that doesn't know Christ. Because our bond's eternal. And we need to understand that as a church family. You talk about strengthening the, the, the love. That allows you to have arguments and not pack your bags and leave. That allows you to have arguments like you do at Thanksgiving. I know all of you do with that family member that just gets on your nerves. But you still love them. You still love them. Yeah, you might take a little drive around the neighborhood to cool down. Nothing wrong with that. But you don't pack your bags and leave, right? Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness. You see, he told us to put off some stuff. Now he's telling you to put on some stuff. He says, put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, Kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, <laughs> bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, hear this, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. Wow. Let us put that on. Let us put that on. Wear your team jersey. I want us to focus on this 
as we kind of back up, go through this. In Colossians 3.10, look again here if you would. Colossians 3.10, he says, And have put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge, according to the image of him. Put on the new man, who is renewed in knowledge. Christian, you are not going to know how to put on that jersey. You're not going to know how to wear that out, live that out, unless you are renewed in knowledge. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about this, about, you know, I beg you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he goes on, he says, look, you want to know what the perfect and acceptable will of God is? I mean, people all the time, you know, oh, I just want to know what the will of God is. He's telling you right there in Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you want to know what that perfect and acceptable will of God is. And he says, you know, look, this is just your reasonable act of worship. By the way, we had a wonderful Wonderful session yesterday. I, I was really, my heart was encouraged. For those of you who prayed, thank you. Thank you so much for those prayers. It was a great gathering. Uh, I felt like it was a good start and uh, just, just in the area of worship. And, and so I thank the Lord for that. But he says, this is your reasonable act of worship, that you present your body as a living sacrifice when you think about what Christ has done for you. And he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How, church? By the renewing of your mind. You're never going to wear the jersey if you're not spending time renewing your mind. If you're not in the Word of God and you're not soaking in the Word of God, thinking about meditating on the mind of God. By the way, you have the mind of God. It's called the Word of God. You want to know what God thinks about a circumstance? You want to know what God thinks about a situation? Don't listen to Oprah. Don't listen to Dr. Phil. Definitely don't listen to CNN and MSNBC. And don't even listen to Fox, for that matter, when it comes to what is the will of God. It's in the Word of God. We need to be renewed in the knowledge according to the image of Him who created Him. Now, I want us to think about this image. This is the first point here, the image of God. Verses 10 and 11. We're going to go back to the beginning of the book to understand this whole idea of the image of God. So in Genesis 1, 26 through 28, here's what the text says. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Now again, you guys know we are Trinitarian in view. This is what the Bible teaches. That word our is a reference to the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when he says, let us make man in our image, he's speaking of the triune God. This is reference to the triune God. Right? And so he says, let's make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Good little phrase there to underline. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
You see, in the beginning, man was created in the image of God. But something happened. Man fell into sin. And when man fell into sin, the curse of sin entered into the world. And it entered into man. Adam, in that moment, understood he was spiritually separated from God. There was death that had entered in. Something had changed. And so God pronounced that the curse would be not only upon him and through his seed, that it would also be upon the earth. That's why you can see a beautiful rose and ouch, get pricked by the thorn. That's why you can see a sunny day like today, but then within a matter of minutes can be a vicious, deadly storm that takes lives. Guys, all we have to do is observe the things around us and see the seeming nice deeds that mankind can do and yet the wicked things that man can do. The only worldview that explains this to its fullest is the Christian worldview. We were created in the image of God and yet our image has been marred. It's been marred through sin. It's been changed. And that, therefore, there's none righteous not even one. Just as death entered into the world through one man's sin, death has passed upon to every man. That's why 10 out of 10 people die. Don't take my word, check the facts. 10 out of 10 people die. We will all one day stand at death's door unless the Lord returns first. Why is there death? Why is there decay? Why is there aging? Why is the the universe losing energy. All of these things point to a beginning, and the beginning points to a beginner. The Christian worldview is the only answer that satisfies the questions. And so we better understand what God is trying to do in His message of reaching us. We were created in His image, but we fell into sin. We're marred. And yet God loved us enough not to leave us there. And so he says here in this passage, and, and, and back in Colossians, Paul's trying to tell us, look, you're creating the image of God, but you've got to put off the old man, Adam, the first Adam. Think about it. Think of it this way. Your nature, the inside you, the you that exists within your body, when you were born and you entered into this world, you were in sin, right? God bless you. You were in sin, you are a sinner by nature. This is what you do. This is why all of my basketball players, you hate it when the referee makes a call you don't agree with. Because your nature is mad and angry. Especially if you think they got it wrong. Right? I know, I played basketball. I hate it when the refs make a terrible call. But you know what? Who's the authority? Yeah. Not, not me, brother. God's the authority. Now, if I'm the referee, you got that right. Evan knows. I made a call on him the other night he didn't like. I love you, Evan. <laughs> hey, God loves us too, and sometimes, guys, we fall short. We do fall short. We all sin and fall short, right? This pastor, trust me, falls way short. Some of y'all say, yeah, I know. Huh? <laughs> We're supposed to laugh there, but anyway. I do, but this is why I need a Savior. We put off the old man, though. That old nature of Adam 
we used to wear a certain garment. It was those things we saw on the list. I was angry. I was bitter. I'd have malice in my heart. Uh, you know, go through the list of things that are there. The fleshly deeds, that's what you and I wore. That was our clothing. Because our nature was that of the first Adam. He's spiritually dead. But now, the last Adam, Christ, who enters into the world, born of the Holy Spirit, birthed through the Virgin Mary, comes into the world, lives a sinless life. You see, He wasn't born of the seed of man. The curse passed through the seed of man. Jesus was not Joseph's biological child. Jesus is the very Son of God. He is God incarnate. He was birthed into the world fully God, fully man. Therefore, He alone has the right to redeem man. Because He can connect with you and me as man, but He also can pay the eternal penalty that's been put in order. Because He's the God-man. That's why He's the lifeline between heaven and earth. That's why He's the only means by which you can be saved. And so as a Christian, look at this. You've been born again. Ephesians talks about you were dead in your trespasses and sin. But then the Spirit of God quickens you. It awakens you. You're, you're made alive spiritually. For the first time, I was blind, but now I see. I've come to repentance and faith, realizing that Christ is my only Savior. He's the only way. Lord, forgive me of my sin. Create within me a new heart. And God births you alive anew within you. The Holy Spirit dwells. Your nature is now new. You have a new nature within you. Yes, you still have that old Adamic nature that wants to try to rear its ugly head, but you actually now for the first time have a new nature. So guess what? That clothing also should come forth. Just as in the old man, in the first Adam, the clothing we wore, the jersey we sported was fornication, it was idolatry, it was covetousness, it was all those deeds. Because that's the deeds of your nature. But now as a new believer, you've got on a new garment. And so now it should be things like kindness and humility. Now, guys, God's still working on us. We are under construction but we should be growing in the grace and knowledge. That's why we renew our minds. Sanctification is at work within us. That's why God says, what I've worked in you, work out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That doesn't mean you earn your salvation. That just means what I have given into you, what I've invested into you, now you need to work it out. And so this is what Paul's getting at. Romans 13, 14 says, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. There's a reason I don't go into the scenes I used to go to. There's a reason I'm not hanging out in the bars. There's a reason I'm not hanging out in the clubs anymore. There's a reason I'm not doing the things I used to do, guys. That would make provision for the flesh. Where am I going to fall off the edge of the Grand Canyon. At the edge of the Grand Canyon, am I more likely to fall off here? Well, yes. I'm not likely to fall off the Grand Canyon a mile away. Well, I'm pretty klutzy at times. I might roll there. But you understand the point. 
Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. And so Paul is wanting the Colossian believer to recognize he knows what's going on in their midst. He knows what's going on in their society. He knows the pressure of the culture. He knows what's happening within the church. And so he's trying to encourage them in this regards. St. Augustine. Augustine, he lived a very wicked life before his conversion. Some of you may not have known that. Um, like a lot of us, he had a checkered past. He was a very sinful man. Um, there's the stories told of, uh, in one of his books, how he was saved. For the first 30 years of his life, first 30 years of his life, he lived for pleasures of his flesh. Even conceiving an illegitimate son, for some reason, he visited the home of a Christian. He was escorted to the patio garden area, and his host had to leave the patio for some reason. Then Augustine heard a child's voice from over the fence, saying in Latin, Tolegi, Tolegi, which means take up and read, take up and read. He looked down at the table and saw only one book, a Bible. He picked it up, opened it up, and began to read Romans 13, and his eyes fell on verse 14. which reads, But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Immediately, Augustine was convicted of his sin and soon after became a Christian. And you talk about someone who's made a great contribution to the Christian faith, St. Augustine. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what your thoughts are. But can I encourage you? Pick up the book and read. Begin to understand who God is. And you'll begin to understand who you are. And when we understand who we are, we will see our desperate Desperate need for a Savior. Someone once illustrated it this way. You want to know what it's like when you get to the point of your need for a Savior, when you really fully understand the cross of Calvary, when you really understand that you need to be born again, it would be as if someone were holding your head down in a bucket of water and you're holding your breath for as long as you can and then you are about out of breath and you try to raise your head but you can't. And you try to raise your head but you can't. And you try to raise your head, but you can't. And you're so desperate, you're so desperate that you get to the point you realize you're at your last gasp and you're just at that point. And then someone pulls you up. Oh, thank you. Guys, that's salvation. If you're not at a point where you realize the depth of your sin, 
if you don't realize your desperate need to breathe, you're not there. But there's one who wants to pull you up. There's one who wants to rescue you. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is all and in all. Again, it's important for us to understand that when God saves you, He's not just saving you to go to heaven. In the beginning, you saw we were created in His image. And He talks about be fruitful and multiply. And He says, fill the earth. Well, a little later, if you follow this narrative throughout the Bible, you'll see when uh, Noah and his son step off the ark, he, they once again are commanded to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. When they get to the Tower of Babel, there's a problem. They don't want to scatter. They want to gather in disobedience to what God has commanded. God's demand and command was that they would be fruitful, that they would fill the earth, and they were rebelling against God. And so you see the confounding of languages. Church, God is still desiring that you fill the earth. No, I'm not talking with babies. I'm talking about the idea that God had in mind is that He would bless you so you could be a blessing to the nations. How will people know you're a disciple of mine, Jesus said? Your love for one another. There's a reason you and I are not in heaven. It's that we might share the gospel of Jesus Christ, but that we would also fill the earth with the glory of God because the only example of Christ they're going to see is the jersey you're wearing. We're still never retracted to, to, to pull back from filling the earth. You are a conduit of God's grace. You're the messenger. You're on a mission. These are things we've been talking about at the beginning of this year. That's what God is still doing. And He wants to use you and me to do it. That's awesome. We're not identified by who we used to be. We're not identified by our skin tone. We're not identified by our social economic class, the circle we run with. That's not who identifies you. It makes me sick sometimes when I see Christians kind of getting in these certain types of groups that, that almost deny, in essence, the unity. Because God's desire is that we're level at the foot of the cross and going forth from the cross, we're doing so with the love of Christ. We're brothers, we're sisters. We're a family that's easy identified because of our love for one another. And that's why Paul tells them to do these things. The new man is perfect in Christ as to his standing or position. We know there's no more legal condemnation. We're no longer under the wrath of God. We're, the new man's perfect in Christ as to his standing or position before God, but he's not perfect in his experience, Right? None of us have arrived in this wearing kindness and humility and those things. But that's no excuse for us to not 
continue to seek those things which are above. That we might be more and more conformed to the image of Christ. He's still working on me to make me one. I know, y'all would rather hear faith. Trust me, I would too. And then we get to verse 12. So we know about the image of God, but now we're going to talk about the elect of God. And I look at the clock, and there's no way we're going to talk about the elect of God in five minutes. (laughs) This is a heavy subject. But let's let's just dip our toe in it for a second. Notice what the text says here in verse 12. Therefore, and by the way, the therefore is therefore what he's just talked about from verses 1 to 11. So he's been talking about put off the old man, put on the new man. And as a new man, therefore, as the elect of God, chosen. You've been chosen. You who once were children of wrath have now been adopted into the family of God. Just like in adoption, a child is chosen. God's love has chosen you to be a part of His family. And again, guys, I know this can create a tight tension because guess what? The Bible teaches this tight tight tension. We're going to look at a lot of verses that talk about predestination, election, chosen, before the foundation of the world, before time ever even began. God chose you in Christ. That's what the Bible says. I'm not going to back away from what the Bible says. And there's that tension that also says, whosoever will, let them come. God's not willing that any should perish but that all would come to repentance. Now, we know not all are going to come to repentance. And so we're going to talk about this, Lord willing, next week. And I think, again, we get too focused. What happens a lot of times in our Calvinistic camps is we get so camped out on the chosen and the elect that we forget to fill the earth. Because God didn't elect you to be a chosen frozen. You understand what I'm saying? You were chosen and predestined. You were created in Christ Jesus for what? Unto good works. Too many want to camp out on the justification and neglect the sanctification in walking in obedience. God says the elect of God, holy, that means separated and beloved. That's where I was going in the beginning. Hey, your Father in heaven is biased in this sense. You're no longer under His wrath when you're adopted into His family. Now, don't forget where you came from. You too once walked in these things which should compel us with even more bias and love for the lost man. Right? 
we have a mission. And we need not lose sight of that mission. Let's pray. Father, there's still a lot more to talk about in this passage. I thank you for your truth of your word. Apart from special revelation, we'd have no idea who God is, what God wants, what God's plan is. But Lord, you've not left it uh, unknown. In fact, you've declared it to the world. Over 2,000 years ago, when Christ stepped into this world, he brought glad tidings. His example of love was seen by all and demonstrated in its fullness at the cross of Calvary. Where we see justice being carried out, the wages of sin is death. And mercy and justice come together. Grace at the cross of Calvary. Because we don't merit our way to heaven. We can't earn our way. We can't clean up. We can't do better. If you didn't intervene in time, if you didn't send your son, Father, we would never be able to be in your presence because our sin separated us. Our depravity, our Adamic nature has left us dead in our trespasses and sins. But I'm grateful for your grace which says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Unmerited favor. Favor. God's love. And that grace was extended through the person of Christ. Thank you for his death on our behalf. No one took his life. He laid it down. Yes, it came at the hands of Romans and Jews and mankind. But Lord, that was your plan before the foundation Because you knew man would fall, you knew man would rebel, yet you chose to make us anyway and you chose to provide the means of grace to be forgiven. And I know your word tells us that no man can come to the Father unless he's drawn by the Spirit. And yet, Lord, even now, through the preaching of your word, even now the Holy Spirit is pulling at a heart of someone here. You need to repent. You need to turn from your old man's way. You need to turn from the sins that are causing you to stumble and fall. You need to turn from those things like fornication, anger, malice, the things that trip you. We've all sinned. And we all fall short of the glory of God. But if the Spirit of God is calling you today, do not grieve that Spirit. Hear the voice of God nudging you to come. And if you will, by faith, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's not of works. You can't brag about that. But it's the gift of God. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you'd like to receive that gift today and the Spirit of God is drawing you, God makes you a promise. He said, if any man comes to me, I will in no way turn them away. I will in no way cast them out. I want to invite you to come to him today in saving faith. Right there where you're at, in your own stillness of your heart, just do business with God. God, forgive me, I'm a sinner. 
and I, real, I realize for once in my life, I fully understand my sin has separated from me from you, and I'm in desperate need. I need to breathe, Lord. I need life. And I recognize the only way that I can have life is through Jesus Christ, your Son. And so today, Lord, by faith, I, I turn to you and I ask that forgiveness. And, and by faith, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and my Savior. If that's your prayer today. If that's your heart cry. May the Spirit of God quicken and awaken you to know Him and to be known by Him. Father, you know, you know who's uh, belong to you. You know those who, who in this moment are experiencing the new birth. Unless a man be born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. Lord, make your election and calling sure. And I pray that they would not be ashamed of the gospel. If they've responded to this message and invitation, then Lord, I pray that they would make that known. That as they go from here, that they'll begin to read your word. That they'll begin to spend time in prayer and begin to listen to your voice as you've revealed through scripture. That they'll read through Colossians, that they'll respond in obedient faith to what they're seeing. That they'll lay down the old garment and put on the new man. And they'll understand this truth. Therefore, if any man is in Christ... Old things have passed away. And behold, all things are becoming new. Father, thank you for this time. Encourage us as Christians to put on that new man as we look ahead in the weeks to come, if you should allow, putting on that jersey. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Uh, don't forget, tonight, or this afternoon, 3.30, and come dressed in your attire, ready to have some fun, and then 4.45 this evening, um, we will have our food contest. By the way, just so we're on the record, you can still bring wings. There's just no contest. I will be judging the wings, personally, but feel free to bring those if you'd like. And they can be store-bought, or, you know, wherever. <laughs> Guys, thank y'all for your time today. And uh, we'll see you, Lord willing, this afternoon. Free to go.